We are in uh, the Gospel of John. We're going to finish chapter 13. Uh, and Jesus is going to speak to us now about discipleship, how Jesus views discipleship. Uh, and you're going to see this through the eyes of Peter uh, and uh, an extraordinary set of circumstances here as we read John chapter 13, beginning with uh, verse 34. We'll start with that. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now you can imagine what that had to be like for Peter to hear the words of the Lord. Peter loved Jesus. He loved him deeply. And Peter was no coward. Let's understand that right up front. This is a very brave, courageous man. In fact, we know that he carried a sword. All right? And we know that he wasn't afraid to use the sword because you know that in the garden when, when they showed up with about a thousand soldiers to arrest Jesus, Peter, uh, in opposition there, took his sword and chopped off the ear of the servant to the high priest. How do you like that? Chopped it off. Right? And Jesus immediately uh, puts Peter in his place. And as you would expect Jesus, he puts the ear back on. <laughs> Don't you, when you think about that, doesn't it make you stop and say, and they're going to arrest him? <laughs> What are you people looking at? He just attached somebody's ear. I don't get it. And if you get it, let me know, because I don't get it. I mean, really, it just shows you when Satan fills your heart that nothing, nothing can change. Well, well, here's the thing. As we begin to study this section of Scripture, verse 35 begins with the concept that all men will know you based on the fact that you love one another. They will see that as an act of a disciple that will set you apart from the world. How are we a set apart from the world? Is it because we go to church? No. Is it because we go to Bible study? No. Is it because we dress up on Sunday? No. Is it because we, leave, we lead an ascetic life? We don't go to the movies. We don't play cards. We don't drink alcohol. Let me go and see if I can run all those things up that I had as a kid. No, no, no. No, none of that. None of those physical signs is what makes the world know that we are a disciple of Jesus. There's one thing, one thing only, that we love one another. Love in the purest, purest, most unadulterated form that I described for you last week. That's how the world knows that we are disciples. You don't see this any other place when you see that kind of, of love. And so, as a result of that kind of love being displayed in the first century church, the word Christian came about because those followers in Antioch were known first uh, as Christ followers. Christ followers. Uh, and then they were called Christ ones. You get it? 
Christ ones, and we're talking now a couple years after Jesus was crucified. Christ ones, which then became Christians. Okay? So if you don't remember anything else that I said today, you'll remember this. Alex and I were talking about this very issue a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so they became the followers of Christ. Turn to Acts chapter 11, just to give you a pretext on that. Acts 11. Verse 25, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So there's the citation uh, to that particular fact. Now, there are three texts in the Gospel of John that describe uh, discipleship, um, and uh, uh, before I do the Gospel of John text, I want you to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And this is an example now of Paul showing a church that is exhibiting the characteristics of discipleship and love. Verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, and underline that, out of the most severe trial, persecution, suffering, uh, poverty, the church wasn't, wasn't going through great times, it was going through hard times. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy... And their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Do you see how God says, how God demonstrates? You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You don't have to have great affluence to be generous. God looks at the heart. And so out of the heart, even in poverty, in times of hardness, in times of persecution, in times of suffering... We can exhibit our love for each other in so many ways. And look at this in this, this great church. And out of their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. How do you like that? They're giving to each other. They see who needs help. They're doing it. They didn't have bank accounts. They were poor. They were suffering. They were persecuted. It was difficult times. And now we look at us and we say, oh, yeah, the unemployment rate, oh, it's, it's you know, 5%, but it's really maybe 9 What, are you kidding me? You live, in one of the, you live in the wealthiest country of the world. You have a, you have a, a standard of living un, un, unparalleled in the world. You look at what the other people in the world having to contend with, and then you look at what you're having to contend with. And so I ask you, just between you and God, not between you and me, between you and God, are you showing the love of God? Are you sharing with what God has given you? Or do we become so obsessed, so obsessed with the material things in our lives? I know you, you people are good people, but you know, God warns us, warns us. And I always tell you, I'm preaching to me first, right? Preaching to me first. God is warning us about this issue and, and how he expects us to show generosity of spirit. 
For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. Underline that. This privilege in sharing of this service to the saints. What does it mean? It means that when you are sold out for Jesus Christ, you recognize that it is a privilege to give to the work of God. Can I get an amen? amen. I can't emphasize this enough, okay? Here's the deal. You don't need me to come up here and talk about giving. You don't need me to talk about tithing and everything else. When you really get it, tithing goes out the window. It goes out the window. Because it's not 10%. It's like, God, how much do you want me to keep? And I'm not making that up. It's how much do you want me to keep? And when God really, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you like that, as you see in this, in this church, and you begin to open up and do what God says. You saw it here in a small way when we took care of that dear sister with, who adopted her grandchildren. I can't tell you how many people have told me the, 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 the privilege that it was, that how God blessed their lives when you saw the impact of what we as a church could do together. When I say we as a church, I'm looking at here, this group of people, all right? what we can do together. And so there you understand it. There you understand it, that God is te teaching us. This is discipleship. You want to be known as a Christian? You want the world to know who you are? This is how the world knows who you are. This is it. All right? And it's not just money. It's your gifts. It's your talents. It's all those things that God has given you for administration, for service, all those things that he has given you. And you recognize... Uh, and some of us have recognized later in life rather than earlier in life that what we thought were, oh, I'm a smart little guy. I'm a hard worker. You know, God, and, and you realize when you get older, hopefully, that it's not your little smartness or your intellect. It's that God has poured these gifts into you from the time that you were born with the waiting expectation that at some point you would wake up and recognize it's his gifts, and you give them back. Can I get an amen? amen? All right? And I'm preaching across the board here. And I thank God we have some young people in here. And I'm calling young anybody under 70. <laughs> and so here's the deal. Sometimes it takes a longer while for us to understand the truth of God. All right? And believe me, I'm the first one to testify to this, okay? Hey, listen, there's a reason God didn't call me to do this when I was 40, okay? Because when I was 40, it was me, 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 I, me, I, me, I. You understand? It's only when I got really into my 50s that I began to understand that it was him and that he put me in a position, and that's where you are. And so that's what it is. And so you see this. Uh, and, and you see this church in Macedonia showing you what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. All right? And, and, and here they are. They thank us for the privilege to give us what little that they had. All right? And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. How do you like that? And there he is. The saint himself, Paul, saying that he's been bowled over by it. 
that God spoke to his heart to see it. And that's what God does. You see, God allows you to preach, even if he didn't call you to come up here and do it, he allows you to preach with your life. He allows you to preach with your possessions. He allows you to preach with your gifts. Those of you who are spending time going to the prisons. Those of you who are reaching out to those who are hurting. Those of you who go out and speak a word. You know, there's so many ways. So many ways that God is calling you. And I can tell you, for, frankly, as you, wanna, as you walk in Christ, as the Holy Spirit permeates your life, and as you allow Christ to serve you, to, to wait upon you, you have no idea how things will change. For example, on the day after Thanksgiving, I'm walking down 3rd Street in Naples. Linda said, I knew this was going to show up in, in, in the Bible class. And, and walking down 3rd Street with Linda, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. I see a lady with a dog. Now, if you want to stop us, all you have to do is have a dog. You know that. So we say, oh, your dog is so nice. We can't bring our dog because our dog's not saved. He'll start growling and barking. <laughs> We're working on that. But... This was a nice dog. You could pet this dog and talk. And I, and I said, and, and, uh, I said, what a blessing from God. And she said, yes. People don't understand that, she said. People don't understand that. And I said, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yes, I am. A poor woman. Must have been a woman about 45 years old. But you could see that she was in pain. And she said, you know, she says, I'm having a hard time with my parents. They're older, and, and they say very hard things to me, and, and really, it's, it's been a difficult life for me, and, and I'm suffering from some mental issues and some physical issues. And I said, right there on 3rd Street, in front of St. Anne's Roman Catholic Church, <laughs> that's where I was, I said, Sister, would you like me to pray for you right now? Uh-huh. And right there, right there, I prayed for her. I prayed for her. Now, look, am I worried that there are going to be people down my neck of the town that say, well, stay away from this guy? <laughs> stay away from this guy. I don't care. I don't care. You want- I only care about one thing. Am I doing what he wants me to do? And when you get to the point like this church in Macedonia, when you understand, I don't care, Jesus, I'm going to step up. If you put somebody in front of me that needs to be prayed for, I'm going to pray. Now, do you think it was an accident that I come across this lady on 3rd Street? Do you think so? There's no accidents. So now I want you to think of the hundreds of times in your life God put somebody in your way that he expected you to impact and you went on the other side of the street. We all did. But I'm giving you the warning now. Okay? I'm telling you flat out. From now on, for the rest of your life, God is telling you, be ready. I'm bringing people to you. I'm going to have people come across your way. You have no idea who I'm going to direct, who need, who need to see the love of Jesus Christ exhibited in their life. And now we've corresponded with this woman. Linda's turned over all of our, our, our archives and the Bible studies. And I'm sure that this woman's life is going to be impacted in a positive way. These people need help. They need to know the love of Jesus Christ. You could spend hours walking the sidewalks in Naples and not have somebody come and show you that they love you. Why? Because the love of Jesus is not coming out of the graves.
It's only when the love of Jesus Christ is allowed to permeate through you, through the Holy Spirit. This is how you act like this. Would I have done this at 40? No way. No way. But because I've understood now what God has expected of me, it's a whole different, different set of rules for me. Turn to John chapter 8, verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So if you want to see one of the first texts of dealing with becoming a disciple, it's holding to the truth, accepting it by faith, believing the words of Jesus, even when you do not understand them fully. Okay? Can I say to you that I understand every possible example that's occurred in the Bible? Do I understand when terrible things happen to God's people? Can I come and give you a definitive explanation of some of the horrible things that happen to God's people? Can I do that? I'm a liar if I say I can. Because I can't. Because I'm a human being. Because I'm limited in what God has allowed me to see. All right? But I accept the sovereignty of God. I know this, that when I've put all the chips in on the table for God, when I've given him everything, then I know that as far as he's concerned, I'm his person. And I'm submitting my life to him. And so here's the rule. You want to you be fully in with God? That means that at times you are not going to understand everything that's going on in your life. And I know that there are people in this room who are hurting, who are suffering. This is often, often happens in terms of significant illness. You don't get it. You don't understand it. Lord, how can you do this? Look, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We live in an evil world, okay? Some of that evil is going to fall on us from time to time. But God will be with us. He will protect you. He will strengthen you. Does it mean you won't suffer? No, it doesn't mean that. But here's the thing. I still love God. I still have faith in God. I will not abandon God because I don't understand it. And so that's one of the first rules to understanding this uh, of teaching and understanding what it means. Unquestioning faith. You got that? Unquestioning faith in God is one of the true marks of a real Christian and a true disciple. The next mark of a disciple is the fact that by loving one another, the world will see us as true disciples. Jesus indicates this in, in John 15. Turn to John 15. Verse 5. Now we're going to talk about fruitfulness. How does the world see us as a disciple? Do we just, because we say, I go to church, I'm a Christian, I'm a member of this church. Is that what the world looks for? No, at the end of the day, that, none of that is really going to mark us as Christians. And, you know, one of the things that I see from the unchurched, and my son tells me this, is that much of what the unchurched has against the church is the hypocrisy in the church. That's much of what they have. They've grown up and they've seen people that go to church and are hypocrites. They preach a good word, but they don't live a good word. And what they're really good at, especially the organized church, and I, I say the organized church across denominational lines, is making judgments. You lose. You're a sinner. You're outside of God's will. We, on the other hand, 
we are like the Pharisee in the temple. I thank you, Father. I thank you, God, that I am not like that tax collector. Instead, God wants to say, you're just like the tax collector. You're just like the tax collector. You have a whole other set of sins. So my father used to refer to them as the white-gloved demons. You like that? That was my father's terminology. The white gloves. You know those. Jealousy. Slander. How's that? That's always a good one, isn't it? Slander. Hypocrisy. Talking behind your back. I'm saying evil things about you behind your back. That's just so sophisticated. Nobody really knows about those sins, right? God knows. Jesus knows. And so you look here at this verse. This is John 15, chapter 5. And now he's going to tell you how the world will know, truly know you're a disciple of Jesus. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Let me stop and drill that home right there. You want to bear fruit? You want the world to see who you are? The only way you're going to bear fruit is by being in Jesus. Exactly what we were talking about this morning, Maureen. Being in Jesus. Being grounded in Jesus. When you are grounded in Jesus, when everything you do is in, in the life of Jesus and in prayer, you will bear fruit. Because on your own, you're going to do nothing. You're going to fail. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now let me explain that verse there that says, Whatever you wish, it will be given to you. That's a misconstrued verse. That doesn't mean you decide and say, Oh, God, please, Lord, I need a Mercedes. A BMW 7 Series would be good also. I need it. I like to take people around to the hospitals, Lord. I need more room. Yes, that's a good request. That's an honorable request. You understand? This is not that kind of prayer. Because when you are in Jesus, you would never make that kind of prayer. Amen. You understand? You wouldn't be praying about yourself, give me, give me, I need it, I want it, I need more. Instead, you're going to say, Lord, what can I do for you? Amen. What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? How can I serve? That's the prayer that comes out of a life that is buried with Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a whole different paradigm. All right? It's a whole different paradigm. And by the way, let me make also clear another misconstruction of this verse that says that if you're, if, if you're not walking with Jesus, that, that the branch will be thrown into the fire. A lot of people use this to the context of saying, well, see, you can lose your salvation. Wrong. Wrong. This is not about salvation. This is about walking. You understand the difference? I hope you do because you need to, to educate a lost world that doesn't get this. Okay, when Jesus saves you, nothing's going to take you out of his hand. But that now, he puts you on a walkway. He sets you on a straight and narrow path. He wants to see you serve him, be an example to the world. And for some of us, I told you that, we take a chair, we put it down, and we go, that's it, I'm done. That's it, I'm finished. Oh, oh, you're not. You understand? And so you see this, you see the ongoing active need for discipleship, an example to the world. 
Look, folks, this is why you come out to Bible study, all right? So that I can talk to you like this, that I can tell you exactly what you need to hear. You know, it's difficult to, to preach like this to 2,000 people in a, in a large auditorium. But in, in a setting like this, God, God wants to touch your heart and to show you what God expects from you. And so you see this. And so the first step in remaining fruitful and developing the fruit is to be in Jesus, to remain in Jesus, to allow Christ to work with us. Um, and, and, and you see this. And this is a key point because this is what the world looks at. They don't care about what you say. Amen. They don't care about what you say. They care about how you live. Okay? They care about how you live. Uh, and it's, again, another thing my dad used to say is, uh, the Lord has called each and every one of us to spread the gospel. Uh, and sometimes that's even with words. Sometimes that's even with words. Meaning, most of the time, it's not with words. Most of the times, it's with your life. Uh, and so you see this. And so Jesus concludes this passage about discipleship uh, with a warning to Peter that he would deny the Lord. Now let's contrast and juxtapose Peter with Judas. Because they both will deny the Lord. But one was a deliberate ongoing, planned denial of Jesus Christ. From the beginning, Judas had never given his heart to Jesus. He had never turned over his life to Jesus. That was a deliberate, ongoing act. You juxtapose that with Peter, who was sold out to Jesus, who had given Jesus his life, who, who ultimately, even after this, this failure, will go on to be one of the true leaders of the Christian faith in that church. And you see this, and yet you see Peter falling. And now Jesus is warning him, uh, and there are so many lessons that come to this about how God wants us to live. And the first lesson to be learned from this is that anyone can fall. Any one of us here can fall. I don't care how much God has used you. I don't care how big an example you are to the Christian world. I don't care how high you can go and God raises you up. Anyone can fall. And you see it year after year after year. And you see it with, with these guys who have these great megachurches. Uh, who have tens of thousands of people coming, and yet eventually you'll see them succumb to some sexual sin. What does it mean? It means that without the grace of Jesus Christ and you praying for God to protect you and to deliver you from temptation and to make you strong, you are all susceptible. And that here you see even Peter, one of his most trusted disciples, you're going to deny me. It never happened. Three times. Never happened. Three times. And within two days, that's what's going to happen. And so you see this. Anyone can fall. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 12. 
So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God does not lead you to temptation. When you read that verse in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, that's often a misconstrued verse. What it means is, God, don't let me fall into the kind of temptations that I'm perfectly capable of falling into. Help me, Lord. Deter me. Strengthen me. Give me wisdom. Let me see. Let me have the vision to know this is a mistake. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't say this. That's what it's about. All right? And you see this here, that Jesus is giving Peter a warning. Peter, I know you think you're strong. I know you think you, you, you are right there with me. I know you think you would give up your life. I know you really mean it. You'll give up your life. But you won't say that you're my disciple when I need it. You won't say that. You're going to walk away. You're going to fail me. And so what you see here is that we as Christians are going to be tempted just like the world is tempted. But God is not going to allow any greater temptation into your life that's unknown in the world. And so what does that mean? Well, you, you may be tempted by possessions. You may be tempted by affluence. You may be tempted by lust. Uh, there's a whole plethora of things that, that, we, uh, that we suffer with. But here's the thing. God is warning you. You can fall. You can fall. Yes, you're saved. Yes, God has given you the Holy Spirit. Yes, you're being used. Yes, you're an example to others. But don't think that all of that means, I cannot fall. I'm like a stone. I am an example. I am what other people look up to. Oh, yes, they look up to you. And what better example for Satan to drag down than some guy who was a leader in the church? All right? How about that? You know, I can't, I can't get a thousand people to fall, but you know what? I can get a thousand people to lose some of their faith. I'll take the leader down. And that's why you've got to pray for the people who are in a position of leadership. Let me tell you something. You've got to pray. You've got to pray for haste. You've got to pray for me. Because God would like nothing better than to make me fall. All right? And that's why God says to us that what our responsibility is now, lead me not into temptation, Lord. Give me wisdom. Give me grace. Give me strength. And you should be making the same prayer. And we're going to talk about that prayer next week as we continue with this lesson. Let's close. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the words that you've given us, Father. Thank you so much for your words. And I thank you for the example of Peter, Lord, how this dear man fell when he relied on himself. And yet we see, Father, how Jesus forgave him and continued to use him. That's the call for our own lives here. Be with us. Protect us this week. Bring us back safely to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. God bless you.